0: You are Locked On Women's Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
1: On the line with me now, I'm pleased to be joined by ESPN's own Kevin Pelton. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about the Seattle Storm. Kevin, thank you for joining me today. Hey, thanks for having me. So with the Storm, I want to start first start with last year. A lot has happened for this franchise in the last year, maybe a little bit more turbulent than anybody else in the league. What did you see... Or what were you expecting from the storm going into the 2017 season?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the expectation was, you know, from most people was that kind of they pick up where they left off at the end of 2016 when they had that strong finishing kick after the Olympics to to make the playoffs seemingly ahead of schedule. And, you know, really even Emerge is a bit of a contender to get out of the first round that year. You know, I, I thought they had a pretty good chance as they went down to Atlanta to win that game, which they were unable to do. Um, so yeah, you're thinking that probably they kind of pick up where they left off and potentially can be, you know, one of the top five to six teams in the league. And and that certainly wasn't the case for the first 20 games or so of last season, which, uh, eventually cost Jenny Busek her job.
1: Yeah. And as a quick sidebar, I want to, I want to bring up the playoff format to you. My, the one thing that I've taken away after watching this for two years, I think the biggest issue with it, and obviously the player's. Have expressed their frustrations if they are the ones that go uh, go one and done. Is what is the reward to be, say, a three seed a four seed? There isn't really an, much of an award reward to being in the middle because you still have to get out of a single elimination round. What are your what's your general take on that?
0: I mean, definitely the reward is you don't have to play the first round and you get home court, so that that's helpful in that regard. I mean, I think what makes it tough is you know when I was working for the Storm uh, up through two thousand twelve. I mean, one of the frustrating things about the WNBA playoffs is it it can end like this because of the fact that, you know, even at that point, it was the best of three series in the first round, but two games felt like nothing. So now to have it be just one and done, that is, it, it you know, you don't necessarily get that feeling of even being in the playoffs in some ways because of the fact that you're not matching up against the same opponent multiple times. But that's kind of set off against, I do love the fact that now, First off, I love the fact that it's, you know, independent of conference, so we've been able to get these great matchups between L.A. and Minnesota, and then also the fact that kind of the most important series are getting, you know, a a longer, uh, uh, more involved matchup between the two teams. So, you know, pluses and minuses to it, in my view.
1: Yeah, and I, I I think it makes, I do think one big positive, though, is that it really cranks the heat up on the regular season, because, I mean, we saw last year the the competition for those top two seeds will only get hotter by the year because a team like New York, to get ousted twice in a row at home, it's it's tough to go through that. And those teams are even more incentivized even at the top to play all the way through the season.
0: Yeah, which is a, a big difference from what we sometimes see in the NBA where it doesn't seem like seeding is, is important.
1: Right. And now, so the, the Storm, they, uh, they went with Gary Kloppenberg as the interim, they were able to get into the playoffs. They fell at um, in Phoenix against the Mercury. And when they entered this offseason, they had to make that decision on what they would do with the coaching position. Aside from that, what did you feel they needed to address in the
0: offseason? I mean, you know, I think the, the weaknesses were pretty obvious here. Uh, defense, you know, we saw some improvement late in the season under Kloppenberg, who has always been known as a defensive-minded coach and, and had done a great job in that regard in the past. But You know, still, this is a team that finished third in the league in offensive rating, behind only the two juggernauts in LA and Minnesota and and closer to you know pretty close to to second place in la so usually that should translate to better than a 500 record uh you know part of that is the fact that they were unlucky in close games you know they they probably should have been more like an 18 and 16 team than you know what they actually were below 500 but a lot of it was just the fact that defensively they haven't been at that same level and and i don't think that was necessarily the focus under busek like when you had a choice between offense and defense. Her default was kind of to lean towards the offensive end of the court. So, you know, I think that was going to inform defense in size in particular size in the paint in particular, we're probably going to inform a lot of their decision-making this offseason.
1: Yeah. And I, and I want to ask you about some of those additions and, and, and the defense. I, I did enjoy that Kloppenberg did crank up the intensity a little bit and that seemed to stimulate everybody on the roster a little bit, but now that Dan Hughes is there as the head coach and they've gone through a training camp here, what are your impressions of what he's bringing to the team and just how how the core players are reacting to him being in town?
0: Yeah, I think you know it's been remarkably smooth from what I've seen. I was at the preseason game against Phoenix and then also had the opportunity to see a couple of practices uh, earlier in training camp. and you know you if you didn't know going into those settings that this was a team with a new head coach, you wouldn't have guessed it from sort of the you know how quickly they picked things up offensively and defensively, and and were able to integrate that on the court. And, and I think saw some of that in the, the two preseason wins against Phoenix.
1: Yeah, that that the the preseason it is what it is, but it's definitely encouraging to see at least that they they were able to, to play well together. And I think I think the real crux of this for them is. They've signed some players to extensions these last couple of days, and they're largely locking themselves in with their with this group of eight or nine that they've got at the top. What is the best what's the best thing for them to try to do with this superstar in Brianna Stewart entering her third season?
0: That's a good question, and I think probably one that's gonna be definitional for this season because you know, one of the effects of these moves of bringing Courtney Paris and Tasha Howard and and getting more size while retaining Crystal Langhorn is, well, you know, how are you going to get all of these post players on the court? One of the answers is probably going to be playing Brianna Stewart at small forward sometimes, which she was early in training camp when uh, Alicia Clark wasn't yet back from playing overseas. And so, you know, that was kind of the starting lineup they were using early on. And then in that first preseason game uh, at home against Phoenix, and it's going to be interesting because, you know, I I always thought that Brianna Stewart's kind of destiny in this league was eventually to push her from the four spot to the five spot, as we often see, you know, with players as they, they grow older and mature. I mean, Lauren Jackson would be a, a great example of that, where, you know, the Camille Little trade and uh, her emergence as a starter pushed LJ from, you know, where she had primarily been a power forward the first, I guess, uh, seven, eight years of her career to Being primarily a center the remainder of the way, and when they won the championship in 2010, so you know that's kind of what I was always expecting with Stewie. But she's versatile enough to make it work the other way because you're you know you're not necessarily you're not you you're you're sacrificing some shooting by moving her from the three to four to the three mostly because of the fact that you know Natasha Howard is not as good a shooter as Alicia Clark. If that's the trade off you're making. But if you compare Stewie to three, she's not exactly a poor shooter there. It's just a question of, you know, whether what's going to best play to her strengths? Uh, you know, is it going to be the ability to maybe post up more? Is a three against smaller defenders with weaker floor spacing? Or is it going to be kind of turning her loose against uh, slower defenders as a four or even a five?
1: Yeah, and I've I've been able to catch up on the preseason here. and And when I said it was encouraging, the main thing in my mind was that it looks so far that like Dan Hughes is willing, and he's also said as much that they're gonna swing both ways a little bit in terms of playing matchups and using Brianna Stewart to slide up or slide down. I guess I'll start with the question at center. I have no one has shown anything that convinces me that she can't play center in a high stakes game in crunch time. And I think of just looking back to the wild card game. There were possessions where she was stuck on Griner. They tried to throw it to her. And she didn't get buried under the rim. She held up and, and against Griner, especially. And that's all you can really ask for. Do you, do you see that the same way?
0: I mean, it's definitely not her strength, and, and probably not her comfort zone either. But uh, yeah, when you compare her to the other options on the roster last year, I, I don't think they were sacrificing that much because it's not like, you know, Crystal Langhorn. As hard as she works at the defensive end, is is uh, has the strength to deal with the grinders and fouls of the world either. And and that's where I guess maybe you're hoping that uh, Courtney Paris is able to provide a slightly different dimension this season.
1: Yeah, and then and then the flip side of that, if they're gonna if they're gonna slide her up to the three, like you said, it'll be interesting to see if she can, if she can score efficiently. If they're gonna look to post her against smaller guards, which she can, she's certainly capable of doing. I guess the big swing piece in that has to be Natasha Howard uh, playing big minutes, and and they invested a lot to get her because if this season backfires, Minnesota can execute that pick swap, and Seattle's gonna be hurting really bad once again. What do, you, what do you expect to see from Howard? And and what do you think of those specifically, if she's playing the four with Stewart at the three and then one of their centers?
0: Absolutely. I mean, yeah, you, you wouldn't have made that trade and, and taken that risk of potentially giving up, uh, you know, if, if they somehow end up in the lottery, a top four pick for what we expect is probably going to be either the 11th or the 12th pick from Minnesota based on their track record, unless you really believed that Howard was... Going to be a big part of this team. I mean, you know, she played well in limited minutes in Minnesota, particularly I think 2016 when you know she was more efficient as a scorer than she was last year, and also more effective on the defensive glass. Uh, her steal and block rates are pretty encouraging, and I, you know, I think a big part of this equation as far as you know, we've talked so far about playing Stewie at the three, and in offensively, that's certainly going to be the way it goes. But defensively, uh, I think it's less clear to me how you know Stewie and Howard would be used if they're in the front court together as a three and a four. Uh, is Howard athletic enough that you'd even use her against bigger wings? I think that's a possibility. And then the other thing that we saw briefly—I don't know how much we'll get to it in the regular season—you know, when when Paris is an option in addition to Langhorne at center. But you know, during that first preseason game, they did run out. Howard and Stewart as a 4-5 combo, and now you're talking about a really athletic team that, you know, particularly if you unleash some of the trapping that Kloppenberg has traditionally liked to do that uh, dates back to his father, Bob, a, a former assistant in the NBA who invented the SOS pressure defense, uh, I, that's a really intriguing lineup to, to play a very different style if you have Stewart and Howard as your 4-5.
1: Yeah, you, you led me to right where I wanted to go next. And I think I, I can't wait to see that lineup. I hope we see it at some point. And I'm not sure how much we will against the best teams because I think, I think what's going to make you nervous is bleeding points on the inside. And Sylvia Fowles came, famously came in and scored 700 points in the first half of a game last year. But yeah, if if they crank it up, if they crank the pressure up, and and with Stewie and Howard, just these two these two long athletic players, and I think I think that really activated Jewel Lloyd as well yep. last year on defense when they put her on the ball more, and they really demanded that out of her, and so let, I want to go I want to go to Lloyd. What you know, Stewart took the next bigger step, and I mean she was a monster down the entire second half of the season last year. What's next for Jewel Lloyd? What does she need to bring to the table on top of what she's shown so far for this team to take a step?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think last season was really encouraging the stride she made as a shooter. I mean, I don't know if 39% from three is necessarily going to be sustainable for her, but that was awesome to see her shoot that after being, you know, 30% the previous season and, and 21% the year before that. So, you know, that was a, a big factor in her efficiency, which is something that's always going to be important for her, is, you know, someone who. Tends to create her own shot and, and in much in the model of her uh, idol, Kobe Bryant, sometimes prefers the difficult contested shot <laughs> over the, uh, the easier look. Uh, the other thing she talked about, you know, this was after the USA Basketball Exhibition at Key Arena uh, last month. Yeah, you know, she mentioned that defense is a really big priority for her this year. That that's something that she had talked to Kobe about and uh, you know, that she had really bought into. And, you know, she's got all the tools defensively to be a, an elite defender at that end of the court with her size and athleticism. So, you know, I think that that could make a big difference. Interior defense has probably been the bigger issue for the storm, but uh they could stand up right on the perimeter as well.
1: Yeah, and and, and with, with Lloyd, I think and a lot of people have wisely brought up this question of what, what's the best thing for her long term? Should the ball be in her hands to create or should she be running around screens like she was at the beginning of last year so well and hitting a lot of her jumpers? And my, my answer so far is I think Dan Hughes has the luxury of choosing both because Sue Bird is an unbelievable shooter and the, it, it will never leave my memory her last season late in the clock in New York. They just chucked the ball out to her. She had two feet inside the logo and she just shot a normal shot and banged it. And and Jordan Canada, who might, if they're going to go really small, she was ridiculous last year shooting the ball and she's going to need to prove that. But if both of those players are hitting shots, I think they can play it either way. Do you Are you leaning one way or the other in what's best for her?
0: So I I feel like my opinion on Jewel in that regard is kind of heavily influenced by seeing Tanisha Wright's development in Seattle. Early in her career, I mean, she just hated the concept of playing point guard. She felt so much more comfortable when she was playing alongside Sue as the two. And then, you know, it got to the point where the ball was primarily in her hands at the end of games because, you know, kind of the, the, the math I think that Brian Agler was doing at that point as the head coach was, you know... Sue is a better pick and roll ball handler than Tanisha Wright was at that point. But the gap between the two of them as spot up shooters was greater than it was in terms of their pick and roll ability. So, you know, I I think of the, the play that sticks in my head is the end of game two in Phoenix in the 2010 Western conference finals, where it's a, a Wright Lauren Jackson pick and roll and the ball gets swung to Sue on the weak side for a spot up three to I think give the storm the lead in that game that they eventually went on to win en route to the uh, perfect postseason championship that year. So Lloyd is a better you know spot up shooter at this point or was last season than Tanisha Wright ever was in her career. But uh, you know I think it could be a kind of similar kind of thing where you know if you put the ball in her hands and have Sue playing off the ball, that's maybe a better combination of skills than riding with Sue in the pick and roll and having Jewel spotting up. But it does feel like similar to Tanisha earlier in her career, Jewel just feels a lot more comfortable if she just doesn't have that label of point guard, if there's another ball handler out there with her and that's where Jordan Canada's, you know, arrival and emergence helps ensure that's the case probably all 40 minutes now.
1: Yeah, that, that's, that's a great point and, and that's great to, to hear you draw back to that example of Tanisha Wright. Um, I got two more for you. First, I want to ask about the newcomers and Two of the young players in particular. I wrote about this today. At this point, I would, I'm would i really curious if they would actually lean towards keeping both of these young wings who they brought into training camp, although most people are reading the tea leaves and thinking they'll keep one. So what are your thoughts on on one or, bo- or both so far of Tiana Muldrow, who they drafted out of West Virginia, and then correct me if I've got this wrong, but I've been practicing, Alexandra Sevendokic.
0: You know, I'm not sure if that's quite what Matt Pimmons went with on the PA uh, at the preseason game, but I'm not not sure he had it right. That's what I've been going with in my head is Servant Dockage. So we'll we'll just, you know, uh, we'll go with that for now and she can correct us later if if, uh, we're wrong. Yeah, I mean, yeah, my assumption all along is it had been is that it would come down to those two players for the last, last spot on the roster. Uh wasn't really a surprise that uh, Hilsman and Brittany McPhee, sadly, despite the fact that she went to my uh, alma mater, Mount Rainier High School, uh, you know, kind of expected that they were going to get cut as well as Emily Potter, who didn't last as long in training camp. But yeah, I think the, as well as Servandakic played in the game at Phoenix, and then Muldrow has had uh, an impressive training camp overall and has played pretty well in both preseason games, I think it does open up that possibility of keeping both. Here's my question to you, though. If you are keeping both of them, who are you not keeping? Noel Quinn or Sammy Whitcomb?
1: Yeah, and that and that, that definitely has to come up because you know then it becomes the All Star Game All Star Game thing where thirty guys yeah. get suggested and nobody takes anyone out. You know, and and we've talked about the lineups, and I think I think the thing is, and if they're going to really oscillate, go big, go small, and do whatever they can, I think what. What they definitely need is they're going to need one of those two players to give them some minutes on the wing, and if they're going to play Canada with Jewel a lot or with Sue, even with Sue, there just aren't going to be very many minutes in the backcourt. Now, I have the they did extend Mosqueda Lewis, which must you know be a, a positive, um, a positive thing as far as her status. So I think it's got to come down to Sammy Whitcomb and Noah Quinn. I think Whitcomb. Her three-point shooting fell off a little bit, but I like what she gives them defensively. I think she can – I liked what what she was able to do, moving her feet and pressuring people up. And Noel Quinn's a solid defender too. She's a little bit bigger. Um, but at that same size, if they think they're going to get the same thing from Muldrow, I think that overlap there between her and Quinn might be – and again, if they really like both those young players, maybe that's where they draw the line in the sand.
0: Yeah, I think you're you're heading in the same direction as I am. I mean, the big concern if you let Quinn go is then you don't have a third point guard on the roster. If something happens in a game to either Subert or or, or Canada, then you know you get really thin in that position. To me, I think if you're going to keep both of them, it has to be Quinn. That's the uh, odd player out. And you know, even with the th- the thought that odds are. You know, she's probably not going to be picked up by anyone else at this point. Maybe you could bring her back mid season if you feel like you do need that that additional steady hand, third point guard. And it becomes clear by that point that, you know, one of or Muldrow is the the better prospect going forward.
1: Yeah, and then and then one last
0: thing on this on this kind of
1: back end of the roster talking about the bench. The front and I guess my thoughts on that are kind of are influenced by my one of my frustrations of watching them was Mosqueda Lewis just couldn't get on the court and she couldn't buy time um, early in the season and Wickham shot the ball well to start so she deserved that time but when both of them were playing nine minutes eight minutes you know it's a 40 minute game not 48 it's really hard to get your bench players big time I really just wanted to see them play one of them and I I couldn't help but think of Shakina Strickland in Connecticut where if you take this player with some shooting ability and just let them go nuts and tell them to shoot every time they're open within five feet of the line, I think to some degree with one of those players, I, I think they need to see what happens if they if they turn the loose a little
0: bit. Especially with both of them being shooters, yeah, I think it's difficult to to find a rhythm if you're going in and out like that. And uh, yeah, I mean it's probably not going to get any easier this year because you know the one thing we sort of haven't come back to with the idea that they can play big or small is. Like the the luxury of what they did this offseason is they haven't really lost anyone who was a positive contributor last year you know uh, Alexis Peterson struggled in the minutes that she got as a as a point guard as a rookie uh, you know which is why she's not around anymore uh, Carolyn swords was ineffective as a backup center and then you're pretty much bringing back everyone else who saw minutes uh, Ramu Takashiki being the other departure again, someone who wasn't particularly effective last season. So you're taking all these players who already were the core of your rotation and then adding on top of them, Courtney Paris and Tasha Howard and Jordan Canada, all of whom, you know, I think are going to see a lot of minutes, way more minutes than the players who have lost, who departed. So yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how Dan Hughes manages that and you know, what, how he settles on a rotation and whether there's enough minutes to to go around.
1: Absolutely. And, and I'll, I'll leave it with this one. Just zoom out big, big picture, looking at their season. I think Dan Hughes is in a really tough spot because what is the real measuring stick for this team? I think it's gonna, it's gonna be really hard for it not to be really arbitrary. And I, I guess if you're Seattle, you want to win a playoff game but with a condensed season and twenty fewer game, twenty fewer days in the regular season, you know, somebody turns an ankle. What if they run into Minnesota in the first round? You know.
0: Yeah, I mean that's uh, that could be a tough spot for them. So I, I mean, I think the first thing is, you know, you definitely want to see a winning record. It, it's been a while since the Storm have been above five hundred. I think going back to to my last season with the team in two thousand twelve. So. You know that's that's an important sign of progress, but even that, you know, if it's eighteen and sixteen, that probably feels like a little bit of a disappointment given the talent on the roster and you know what you've added in the off season. So expectations are high, but uh, also the talent is there to to achieve something, and I think that's what brought Dan Hughes out of retirement. He's not going to be scared off by the challenge.
1: Yeah, I, I can only imagine how quick that how quick that phone call was. Hey, you want to come coach Brianna Stewart? <laughs> how, how, how soon can I get there? Um, but thank you. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate your time. Um, you can follow Kevin on Twitter at Cape Pelton. Uh, you can also catch him live tweeting games when he happens to be at one, uh, at Cape Pelton WBB. Anything else
0: to add to that? Nope. I think that about covers it.
1: All right. Thank you very much, Kevin, for joining me.
0: Yeah. Anytime.